welcome to you if you're visiting for the first time. I hope it won't be the last time. Uh, we're starting a, a book today, the book of Ephesians. So this is a great time to jump in uh, with our church. Uh, when you came in the door today, uh, you should have received a notebook if you wanted one. And uh, maybe more importantly, an Ephesians outline. So this has all the sermons, all the titles and passages of where we're going over the next six months together on this journey through the book of Ephesians. And it's actually a sticker. So you could put it on a moleskin or a place you take notes. Um, of course, you could grab a notebook um, and put it in there. And I want to challenge you to, to take it and to use it to read ahead and prepare for the sermons, to be here, to study, um, and also invite somebody else to come and to join the journey with us. Um, I challenge the first service, somebody needs to put this on their car since it's a sticker, just one person. So like you can pull up at the traffic light, get really close. Like, oh, it's a got an outline of Ephesians on your car. That's awesome. Um, so if you didn't get one, grab one on the way out as a way to, to follow along with us in the series. Hey, I'm going to sit today. Thanks for letting me do that. Uh, we have battled COVID as a family uh, over Christmas break, and I was the last one to recover. Um, so I'm really grateful to be here and to be able to preach um, today. And I know many of you uh, have battled with that and other sicknesses and have people in your life that are sick. So I just, I just wanted to start as we, as we begin the message today uh, by, by praying and specifically praying for people who are, who are uh, sick. So uh, would you join me in, in a word of prayer this morning together? Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you for the new mercies today. Um, we sure are grateful for them and we need them. Um, help us to choose because it is a choice uh, to rejoice in today and to, to be glad in it uh, for what you're doing today. We do want to pray together as a church for, for mercy and for healing for those who are sick among us. Um, we pray, God, that you would heal their bodies, that you would give them hope um, in their sickness, uh, whatever it might be. I want to pray for my friends here today that are, are hurting emotionally. Um, I know nine days into a new year um, sometimes, sometimes can feel like, man, I have the same, same old problems and frustrations and disappointments and confusions. And I, I want to pray for my friends today that you would encourage their hearts. Um, Ephesians is an, is an encouragement. It's an encouraging letter. And so I pray that uh, that would have its effect um, in my friends and their lives today and their hearts. So would you unite us by your spirit today as we come to your word? Would you speak to us where we are? Um, would you encourage us? Um, and we'll give you the glory for it and the thanks and all God's people said together. Amen. 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 It had been three long years Three long years. Think about where you were three years ago. It had been three long years since the Apostle Paul had been on a road trip. His first missionary journey uh, was to familiar places and familiar people. And you better believe that he was itching to hit the road again. Uh, to go to new places and to meet new people and to share the new life of Jesus through the hope of the gospel. And so when we meet him in Acts, the 16th chapter, he has a new teammate. Uh, Silas has joined him. And among other teammates, they uh, hit the road for a new journey, uh, trusting God that he's going to take them to new places and, and new adventures. 
And so they first go to some places they've been before, to Derby and to Lystra. And in Lystra, we learn in Acts chapter 16 that they ask a, a young disciple named Timothy uh, to join their team and to join the, the journey with them. And, and he does, and they continue on. And we also learn that, that Paul wants to uh, preach the gospel uh, into the province of Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. Uh, just by inference, uh, we see them wanting to turn left as a team as they leave Antioch, their sending place, and they begin to journey uh, westward. Uh, they want to turn left and they want to go down to the coast, uh, probably to the port city of Ephesus, a, a major Roman city. Ephesus was one of the five major Roman cities. And of course, as Paul dreams about this new journey, this new trip, this new place and people to preach the gospel to, he probably wants to go to Ephesus and preach the gospel there. So the team begins to turn left. And as they do, something really weird happens. Do you remember? Uh, the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, that the spirit of Jesus tells Paul and his team, no. You ever been told no? God says no to this new place, to this new adventure. And so they want to turn to the right and go north to Bithynia, which the apostle Peter would eventually go and preach in that area because no one had gone there to preach Jesus uh, to this new group of people. And so Paul and his team, they, they decide, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll go to Bithynia. And guess what happens? God says no. And so they just continue to walk. And I, I just want to stop right there because some of you, right now, you feel like God has just closed a lot of doors in your life. You know, whether it's a, a job opportunity or a relationship or something in your life where the door has been closed, maybe in your face. And you just sort of wonder, man, what is, what is God up to? And when we join this journey here, uh, this team that's off to this new adventure, wanting to share Jesus with other people, the adventure begins with God saying no, not just once, but twice. And slamming the door shut. And what do they do? And what should you do? They keep walking. They just keep walking. Do, do you know that God spoke to Abraham, the patriarch, five times in his life? Just five times. And he kept being obedient to the last thing he heard God say. So Paul and his team, they heard God call them out and, and go uh, call them to these new places and new adventures. They didn't know what exactly it was going to be. And they think it was to the left, but God says no. They think it's to the right. God says no. So they just keep walking until they can't walk anymore because they run into the Aegean Sea and they come to the port city of Troas and they have to stop and wait and wonder, I'm sure, what in the world is God up to? He called us out to this new road trip, this new adventure to share Jesus, this new life with new people and new places. And we don't know where we're going to go. And we find ourselves in all places of Troas, which I guess was like um, an airport terminal to them. It's like, I don't want to be here. We want to go somewhere else. And we're, we're, you know, we're, we're stuck in this terminal just waiting for our flight to figure out where, where God wants us to go. And maybe you feel that way in your life today. Again, just, you know, nine days into a, to a new year and you feel like, man, I, I'm, I'm just sort of stuck and I'm waiting for God to speak. And the team is waiting and they're wondering. And God begins to speak in that place of waiting, in that, in that stillness and in, in that stopping and that going as far as they could go, then God began to speak to them. 
They were obedient until they couldn't be obedient anymore. They didn't know what else to do. And that night in a, in a vision, God uh, speaks to the apostle Paul in his dream. And it's a, a dream of a, a Macedonian man. If you, if you can follow along in this and read it for yourself in Acts chapter 16. And the man says, Paul, I want you and your team, which now includes Silas, of course, but also Timothy and includes Luke. And they're going to gain other team members along the way. I want you to come over to Macedonia, uh, to this new area, this new place, and, and preach and, 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 and tell us about Jesus. And so Paul wakes up the next day, he tells his team, hey, God gave me a vision from a Macedonian man. You know, God calls people to people, by the way. God uses a person and a vision to call this team of people to come and preach the gospel to them. And, and Luke writes here in Acts chapter 16, verse 10, uh, it's one of the first uh, pronouns that uh, Luke begins. Luke writes the book of Acts, by the way. Luke and Acts are a complementarian, uh, uh, two books that go together. Uh, Luke being the, the, the story of Jesus and his ministry, Acts being the story of the church, and they go together, all written by Luke. Luke is on the journey. He writes in Acts chapter 16, verse 10, we decided, that pronoun we, and he uses that, and beginning in Acts 16, that, that pronoun we is used all throughout. We decided, we went, we ministered, we preached, we healed people, we, you know, God allowed us uh, uh, to perform miracles. We did all these things. Pay attention to that. You know, ministry is a team sport. And so Luke says, we decided to get on a boat and we crossed the Aegean Sea and they came to Neapolis. Uh, otherwise known as New City. They come to New City. And New City represents this new continent that God is going to work on, the continent of Europe. And this new place and this new group of people that have never heard about Jesus before. And not only that, a new way and strategy of doing ministry. Same message of Jesus but a new way of helping people find and follow Jesus, which is the mission of the church after all. And so on a, on a river bank there, they begin to preach Jesus. And a woman named Lydia responds to the message and, and helps to found the church of Philippi. They go from there to different cities throughout the region. They, they end up in Athens in Acts chapter 17. And not only are they in, uh, on riverbanks and, and synagogues just like they, they've been, but they're in marketplaces and they're even in lecture halls and arenas. And in Acts chapter 17, we find Paul and his team on their journey here in one of those arenas, better known as Mars Hill. And instead of like Peter in Acts chapter 2, after Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, Peter stands up and preaches the first sermon in the church. And if you go back and read Acts chapter 2, he starts the sermon with three different passages, one from Joel and two from Psalms. And he calls his fellow Jews to repentance. And he says, this promise is for you and your children and for those who are still far off, even including the Gentiles. But I want you to pay attention to 15 chapters later when Paul and his team are now on their journey and he begins to preach and teach, uh, specifically in Acts 17 in the Areopagus of Athens. He doesn't begin with scripture, he begins with a poem. He says, your poets say that we are children of God, that we're offspring of God. Your top 40 songs say this. But I'm here to introduce you to the God that is unknown to you. His name is Jesus. 
And he begins to preach the resurrection of Jesus. And in Acts 17, we see that people there in Athens, that major city, respond by laughing and scoffing at Paul and Luke and, and Silas and Timothy and his team. But some people responded by believing and joining the journey. Amazing. From there, they go to the city of Corinth on this, again, new place, this new continent, Europe. Uh, all throughout the region of Macedonia, spreading Jesus and learning new ways to do that, to share the same message of, of hope in Christ. They go to the major city of, of Corinth where they start a church, but they also meet a couple. Do you remember who they meet in Acts chapter 18 in the city of Corinth? Priscilla and Aquila. And Priscilla and Aquila ended up in Corinth because they were kicked out of Rome by the emperor. They had a thriving business in Rome but the emperor kicks out all the Jews in, in Rome, including Priscilla and Aquila, and they have to resettle in Corinth. This major tragedy and disruption in your life, this major door shutting in your, their life leads to meeting this new team that has found their way to this new place. Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, and joining them in the journey. And Priscilla and Aquila would become instrumental people in spreading the gospel, discipling people like Apollos in the way of Jesus. Now, now, with this new team and this new method of sharing the same message of Jesus, in Acts chapter 18, it says that they set sail for Ephesus the very place where they wanted to begin their journey. But they had to literally do a circle of God bringing new teammates and new methods and new ways of communicating Jesus to prepare them to go to the city of Ephesus. Paul heads back to Jerusalem and to Antioch to report back to the churches the progress of their journey and Priscilla and Aquila and Luke and Silas and the rest of the team go on to Ephesus and begin to preach Jesus and establish the church there. Paul joins them in what's known as his third missionary journey beginning in Acts chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, open up there with me because this is the story of Ephesus and the planting of the church and the beginning of the church at Ephesus. And the Bible says here in Acts uh, chapter 19 that Paul did what was his custom. He goes to the synagogue, but not just the synagogue. He's there for three months. People in the synagogue, the Jews there in Ephesus, begin to reject Paul and the message of the resurrection of Christ, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that God came to do what we couldn't do for ourselves, to pay for our sins, past, present, and future. Paul and his team preach that message. They're rejected in the synagogue. But because they've been to Macedonia, because they've been to Berea and Thessalonica and Athens and Corinth and riverbanks and marketplaces and lecture halls, they know that there's other ways to share Jesus. And so Paul makes his way to the hall of Tyrannus. And he begins to preach and teach there. This was the major lecture hall of Ephesus. It may have looked something like this. Again, Ephesus was one of the five major cities of the Roman Empire. It was a, a hugely influential port city, a place of commerce, but also it was a place of worship. It was the home to the goddess Artemis, or otherwise known as Diana. And it housed her temple there. And people would come from all over the Roman Empire to worship the goddess of Diana. And Paul, just like he does, wants to take on all comers with Jesus. And so he goes right into the heart of that pagan worship with the message of Christ. 
And he goes right into the heart even further in the, in the lecture hall there where the philosophers in the early morning and the cool of the day would lecture. And the whole city would come to hear these new teachings and new, new things. And Paul and his team, after they're rejected in the synagogue and they've learned new ways to do it, they go to the hall probably between the hours of 11 and 4. Most people would stop their work between the hours of 11 and 4. That's pretty cool. Because it was hot during the day. It was the heat of the day. But Paul and his team take advantage of this. And when, uh, when uh, people had, uh, you know, taken off from their job in the heat of the day and the philosophers didn't want to lecture and teach during the heat of the day, Paul and his team would. And people would come to the hall and they would hear about Jesus. And many people rejected the message of Christ. And many people laughed and scoffed at the resurrection. And many people, the Bible says, believed. In fact, look at this passage with me in Acts chapter 19, verse 10. This went on for the next two years. What went on? This teaching in the lecture hall in Ephesus, right in the middle of the city, so that people throughout the province of Asia, what is modern-day Turkey or Asia Minor, both Jews and Greeks heard the word of the Lord. Now, let's not miss this. Because Paul, when he started the journey with Silas and with Luke and when Timothy joined and Priscilla and Aquila and other teammates, they wanted to preach the gospel to new places and new people. And their original intent was to go to the province of Asia and preach. And after they did a whole circle through Macedonia and learned new ways and new teammates, now they come and they preach for two plus years. And guess what? Everybody in the province of Asia, what is Turkey, modern day Turkey, heard the word of the Lord. Think about that, the influence of this ministry. This, this might be, I don't think it's hyperbole to say, this might be the high water mark of the Apostle Paul and his team in their ministry. Now, they did great ministry other places, but Ephesus probably marks the, the pinnacle of their ministry and their teaching together. And I want to just make a point here that all of this begins with a providential no. No. Two no's, and then a wait, and then a go. And I don't know how that hits your heart today in your life. I don't know if you would say, man, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a no zone right now where it just feels like everything is rejection. Some, someone has rejected me. Something has rejected me. Some ones have rejected me. I don't know if you'd say, I just feel like I'm in Troas. I'm in this waiting period. I just, I, I'm waiting on God to speak. I've gone as far as I can go. I don't know what else to do. Or whether you're in a place where you're going, where God's made it clear and you're just trying to be faithful to what God has said to you, walking out the last thing that you heard God say to you. I just want to encourage you that this is the story of the Bible. This is the story of the journey of faith and following Jesus. It's full of no's. It's full of weights. And it is full of goes. You say, Chris, this, that sounds great, but wasn't this supposed to be a series on Ephesians? We haven't opened the book of Ephesians yet. We're, we're, we're getting there. But this is all important context to understand how the ministry in Ephesus and how the church in Ephesus even started. And I think you would agree with me that stories are important. I think stories are sacred. When people are sharing their stories, we should put our phones away and we should listen and lean in. Stories are, are important for how things came about. And this story is very important because it helps to inform the context of the book of Ephesians and some of the things that Paul's gonna to communicate to this group of people. And some of it makes more sense when you know how it all started. 
What you need to know as well is that Paul's ministry shifts from being a robe warrior, uh, a preacher, a hands-on guy that loved to preach and teach and lecture. It shifts to being a mentor and an author. You know, just like uh, Jesus had Jerusalem in his eye and in his heart at the start of his ministry, the apostle Paul had Rome in his heart from the start of his ministry. He was, after all, the apostle or the conveyor of God's grace to the Gentiles. He wanted to share the message of Jesus with non-Jews. And he wanted to do that in the capital city, in the heart of the Roman Empire. And the Romans obliged. They arrested him. And they carried him to Rome. And what they didn't realize was they, they were carrying the gospel with Paul. And arrest in Rome meant that, uh, for most people, it was house arrest where you could have some freedoms under house arrest. So Paul could receive visitors and he could write. And boy, did he write. He wrote that we know of, included in the canon of scripture, 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament were written by the apostle Paul. And most of them were letters to churches that he helped to start and to build up. The apostle Paul was the senior pastor at the church at Ephesus for three years, which was longer than any other church in any other city that he journeyed to. This was a very significant and an important place and group of people to him. And when he writes the book of Ephesians, if you're taking notes, he wants to convey to them a reminder and an encouragement to them about who they are as Christ followers. And he does it with two distinctive messages. This is the outline of the book of Ephesians. The first message is what we believe, what we believe as Christians. He wants to remind them and encourage them that doctrine matters, what we believe matters. And so he takes the first three chapters of the letter to remind them of what we believe as Christians. And we're going to walk through that together. And then the second half of the book, there's six chapters total in the book of Ephesians. The second half of the book, chapters four through six, is the second message, which is how we then live. How we live this out. I'll say it in kind of a nerdy way. Orthodoxy, the first part of the book. Orthopraxy, the second half of the book. Doctrine, what we believe, always becomes ethic, how we live. And the Apostle Paul knows that. And this is an important order in the Christian faith. We begin with what we believe. It starts in our hearts, what, we're, what we place our trust in, what we believe, what we fill our heads with. And then it comes out from there into how we live. Part of the distinctive Christian thinking and understanding of life is that if you look at a person's life and how they live, the pattern of their life, it will tell you what they believe. And so Paul begins this letter by saying, here's what we believe as Christians. And we're going to cover that together today or um, in our series. And then he turns his attention to, hey, it's not just about what you believe. It should have an effect. If you really believe this, it should affect the way that you live. It should affect every relationship that you have from top to bottom. And we're going to see that as well. You need to know, guys, you need to know that the book of Ephesians the book of Ephesians is regarded by historians as one of the most important works in all of antiquity. And when I say that, I mean not just Christian historians, but non-Christian historians. They recognize the importance of this book, the economy 
of, of writing that Paul uses to say so much in so few words. They recognize the importance that it had on people's lives, not only in the first century, but even now. And so you need to know how important this book is regarded, not only in Christian circles, but non-Christian circles. John Calvin, a great theologian, regarded it as the most important book in all of the Bible. Ephesians is simply a masterpiece. And I'm so excited, I hope you are, to join the journey and walk through it together over the next six months. We're going to start uh, with the first two verses. We're, we're off like a herd of turtles today, okay? Um, we're going to start with the first two verses, which are the greeting of the book of Ephesians, which uh, oftentimes when we read a greeting, we kind of, if you're like me, I read it pretty quickly to get to the, to the good part. But the greeting here is really important. These first two verses are really important. And so if you're able, I'm going to invite you uh, with me just to stand to your feet. And uh, let's read the first two verses from the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. The word of God to you today. You may be seated. So if you're taking notes in your, uh, in your notebook here or, um, or on your phone, a simple outline today from the introduction, the greeting from the Apostle Paul uh, to the church at Ephesus as he begins uh, his letter in these first opening verses. Uh, let's start with the author. Uh, Paul, of course, identifies himself as the writer. Uh, that's pretty undisputed. Again, even among non-Christian uh, historians that Paul is indeed the author of, of the letter. It's by his hand. But I want you to notice something here in the first part of verse 1, chapter 1. Uh, Paul, as he writes, this is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle is someone who had firsthand knowledge, a witness of the ministry of Jesus. And Paul wants to remind us with the first stroke of his pen here in this important letter, that it is by God's unmerited grace and mercy that he has been called to salvation. And not only that, to service. He'll remind us in chapter two that it's not by our good works, but it's only by God's grace that we are, we are saved. And from the first time he picks up his pen and begins to write to this church in Ephesus, he wants to remind all of his recipients that he's writing and he is nothing without Jesus. It was God's will to call Paul not only to salvation, but to service as an apostle, to write this letter, to, to be a preacher, to be a teacher. And the same is true for us today. It's not by his personal accomplishments. It's not by our personal accomplishments or our good works. It's only by God's good will and plan for our life. Let me say it a different way. God chooses us not because there's something good in us, God chooses us because God is good. God chooses us not because there's something good in us. God chooses us because he is good. 
And Paul wants to remind the church of that essential truth. It's only by God's grace that he's been saved and called to this ministry of being an apostle to make the will of God known to them. And then the recipients. The author is Paul, an apostle chosen by God's grace and his grace alone. But then the recipients. Look at what he writes here in the second part of verse 1. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus. And that little phrase there in Ephesus doesn't appear in the earliest Greek manuscripts. And so we're left to surmise that this was probably added later on by inference. And this is important, uh, not because it changes the letter at all. Of course, Ephesus uh, and the people of Ephesus were his recipients. But it's important because this was a circular letter. It wasn't just meant for the people who were residing within the, the city of Ephesus. It was meant for the whole region that Ephesus influenced. Let's go back to Acts chapter 19, verse 10. Ephesus was a super city that helped to influence all the people and the other cities in the region. And so all the other uh, townships and cities and people of Asia Minor are influenced through Ephesus. And when Paul takes up his pen from Rome under house arrest all these years later to write to the church, he has everyone in mind, not just the the citizens of of Ephesus proper. And so that little phrase is important. And then this is how he addresses them, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Could there be a better description so many things that so many of us would like to, to have said about us in our lives. But Paul gets right to the point, the most important thing. You're a faithful follower of Christ. I wonder what that looks like in your life right now. What does being a faithful follower of Christ Jesus look like for you today? What decision point, what prayer point, what, you know, what action point in your life does that represent? I think this is a beautiful phrase that right off the bat, verse 1, chapter 1, Paul blesses the church with that, hey, probably nothing more I could say uh, better than, than each of you than this. You're a faithful follower of Christ Jesus. And then finally, just today, uh, his, his actual greeting. He says in verse 2, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now, this was a common greeting that the apostle Paul used in his writings. In fact, Uh, Seven other writings and and books of the Bible have this same phrase in it from the Apostle Paul. He loved using this phrase, grace and peace. And there was a reason. Grace was the Hellenistic greeting of the day. It was the Greek greeting of the day. It was basically the way of saying hello was to say grace. And of course, the Hebrew greeting was shalom, peace. And so by Paul using this simple phrase, grace and peace, he was addressing both Greek and and Hebrew. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 19, verse 10. When the gospel was preached and the word of the Lord goes forth to all the province of Asia, people heard the word of the Lord were both Jews and Greeks. Paul knew this. And right off the bat in his introduction, he doesn't miss this. And he wants to acknowledge all the people that have come to Jesus, both Jew and Gentile alike. And he uses this distinctively Christian greeting, and it is a distinctively Christian greeting. Grace representing God's unmerited favor and peace that we have now through Jesus because of that favor. Paul wrote to the church at Rome in Romans 5 verse 1, therefore since we have been justified by faith, we now have peace with uh, with God through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So these, these two words that, again, we, we want to, you know, let's get to the good stuff. Well, we're already in it. In the first two verses, uh, Paul wants to bless them by, by saying, hey, you know, I want to remind you that I'm nothing without Jesus. I want to remind you that the greatest thing that could be said about you is that you're a faithful follower of Christ Jesus. And I want to remind you about all of this, what it's all about. It's about grace and it's about peace. And lastly, I want to remind you of the source of all this. It's not yourself. It's not me. It's not anybody else. Who is the source of our grace and peace? Verse 2, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no grace, there is no peace in this world apart from God. And the good news of Christ is that each of us today, wherever you might be, however you find yourself into the, uh, uh, found yourself uh, coming into the room today, that you're not too far from God's grace and peace. As Paul reminded the people in Athens, God is not far from you. God has come close through Christ. God has stepped close to you and his grace and his peace are available to you. So today, we, New City, we start a journey together. And I don't know what lies ahead for us. I don't know exactly how God will use our journey together through the book of Ephesians to speak to us. I don't know exactly what he'll do in your life, but here's what I know. I know the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with us. That as we come to the scriptures, this word that the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote to the church, writes to each of us, that God will speak to us. And that through every no in your life right now, every wait in your life right now, every go in your life right now, that God will use it for his glory, for his good, for his purposes. So I want to invite you today to join Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy and Priscilla and Aquila and Deramus and so many other people who chose to join the journey of grace, that chose to join the journey of peace that they could only find through Jesus and then chose to join the journey of sharing that with other people to help them find and follow the same one that they had found grace and peace through. Bottom line today, join the journey. Join the journey. And as you do so, I want to encourage you with a couple of applications that you would take the outline. If you didn't get one, grab one on the way out. We've got plenty for you, okay? And grab one for somebody else that maybe uh, needs to be here. I want to encourage you to read along. Uh, every week we'll have prescribed readings, so read along before you come. And study, we've created a study guide every week that's available. You can use personally, you can use it in your family around the dinner table, you can use it in your new city group or wherever um, to study. And then share it, you know, share what God's teaching you and showing you and speaking to you um, with other people who desperately need God to speak to them and show up in their lives too, just like he's showing up in our lives.